everybody. Do you like getting stoned and watching a movie? Or just watching a movie? Well, then check out our podcast, I Am Weed, where we and a guest go to the movies and discuss it after. A movie review podcast with a little token twist. Get it? Oh, boy. But hey, you don't have to smoke weed to enjoy this podcast. Uh, you should enjoy watching movies, though. Subscribe to I Am Weed on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Matt Walsh. Ian Roberts. Do you want to hear me interview those guys? Matt Walsh, Ian Roberts, founders of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater? Well, I've got great news for you. You can hear those episodes, but there is a catch. Right now, I'm super low on iTunes reviews, especially because I know how many of the listeners there actually are. There's quite a few. So here's the deal. We're doing a review drive. You go write a review right now. One sentence is fine. Five stars is preferred. In fact, if you give me like a one-star review, I'm just not going to count it. But once I get 100 reviews, Ian Roberts' episode goes live online right away. Once I get 200 reviews, uh, we'll do Matt Walsh right away. Uh, I'm not going to count it. Like I said, if you decide to, like, say, give me one star and say I'm an asshole, I know it's annoying that we're doing this. But I don't ask a lot from you. And uh, you know what? It really, really helps with the show. We uh, The show got in the iTunes top 150 once, and I thought that was amazing. And I think we can do even better this time. So help me out. Um, also, great news. If you're an improv obsession hero, meaning you're somebody who donated to the podcast already uh, by clicking on the link on the side of the website, improvobsession.com, going to PayPal and kicking in a few bucks. Like, like I don't care if it's very small amounts of money. Little money's fine. I don't want you guys to be giving up your whole savings to do that. Anyway, if you've already done that, you're getting a link to the two episodes today. Check your email. Um, also, oh yeah, also, uh, Mr. Matt Walsh asked me to plug DCM. It's going to be the 15th anniversary. It's going to be a big one. So so go uh, June 28th through June 30th. Uh, also, he said uh, a little insider knowledge there. He said that the UCB book that everybody has been talking about should be available at DCM. So there you go. Um, so this episode here is with Christopher George. I'm sorry it took so long to get up. It was a phone interview. There were technical problems with the file. Blah, 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 blah. It's up now. So also sorry for the long break. Mainly, I was just trying to get this file to work. Uh, but good news, we're about to go on a long run of episodes. The episodes we have in the can already, Adam McCabe, Harrison Brown, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Welsh, and the Ian Roberts and the Matt Walsh episodes. And... I'm scheduled to talk to Scott Davis, Jessica Allen Eason, and the people that you've requested the most, the person that you've requested the most, Miles Stroth. Yeah, Miles Stroth. He's going to come on the show. Uh, we've been waiting for that one to happen. Maybe I'll make you guys uh, revi- write 300 views for that one. Um, also, I'm supposed to reschedule with Drew DeFonzo Mark. So we've got a ton of episodes coming up. It's going to be a long run. I apologize for going on a break. Guys, I have a busy life. It's hard. I don't know what to do with it. Um, anyway, that's it for right now. Christopher George. Uh, did I, I'm sorry. I mentioned already that this was a phone interview. The audio is not 100% perfect, but it's still pretty good. So uh, enjoy. It's going to be a good episode. <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, special guest, uh, Christopher George. Hello. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Stephen? I am pretty good. Um, so, first of all, just so everybody knows, we're doing the very first uh, phone interview uh, for Improv Obsession Podcast. So you've, you're breaking ground, first of all. 
Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's outstanding for one. I think I think that's my my life goal is to just have every episode be something amazing that's never been seen before. So I think we're I think we're there. A completely different approach to doing interviews every single time. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the the next one is going to be uh, via smoke signals. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to convey it over audio, but that's not my problem. The the real challenge would be like. Yeah, anything visual, like sign language, very difficult. Uh, drawings. Um, it's very difficult. Yeah, I, I can't draw. I can't do that. that. <laughs> uh, just How about just doing it in Japanese characters? Like, how about that? Why not try it out? Yeah, kanji. Yeah, that works. Well, it'll happen one day. Um, <laughs> but until then, uh, so real quick, I, uh, for the listeners' uh, sake, uh let, where where do you come from? Let's let's kind of get your background in there. Because actually, I don't know I, as much as I've tried to figure it out. I only know so much. So you're gonna have a better idea of it what it is than me. Yeah, I or like where where might people know you from? That's what I think. Is yeah, okay. Part. Certainly hope I understand where I came from. Um, I, I think <laughs> um, I like a lot of people started doing improv in college. Uh, I went to the University of Southern Mississippi, which is in. Uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and uh, there's an improv group there on campus, and uh, I ran into a friend of mine uh, one day at the beginning of a semester, and he was like, oh, hey, I uh, heard about this improv group. I think you're kind of funny. We should go audition for it, and I was like, okay, that sounds pretty good, um, and I went there, and I auditioned, and I got in, and I was in the group for uh, the two years that I was still in college, and then I kind of hung around Hattiesburg for about a year and a half after that and stayed in the group there. Um, I went to grad school at the University of Illinois at Chicago. So while I was there, I figured I should take some improv classes since I was in Chicago. So I went to IO yeah. and I took classes there and I played in a couple of um, teams around town doing like cage matches and things. Um, and then after grad school, I moved to San Diego. So that would have been like uh, September of 08. And I've been out here since then, uh, coaching a lot and teaching a lot and uh, playing in any team that I can get my grubby little fingers into. <laughs> uh, good. I mean, I love I, – personally, I'm all about getting grubby little fingers into teams. That doesn't sound good. Uh, <laughs> cool. Okay, so let's um, – then let's, let's kind of – Let's let's uh, let's dissect your background a little bit and see maybe uh, learn some influences and uh, what you're going for. So you you started you started doing it in college. You auditioned. Uh, I, I'm ass, I'm assuming that was short form. Yeah, it was all it was all short form at that point. Um, the only hmm. improv that we knew uh, was Who's Line, so we emulated uh, a Who's Line show as best we could. <laughs> um, yeah, and we tried doing long form twice because uh, we a group that we knew from Louisiana was doing the Herald and they showed us the Herald and we did it we did it once and we were like I, I don't really know about that and then we did it one more time and then we were all like nope never again uh, and that group never <laughs> we never never experimented with long form the entire time I was there wow uh, just just turned off. Oh, well, okay. Here's my question then. Did you guys? Do you think you guys understood what the Herald was? Like, do you think you guys were like, oh, I have a full grasp of it, or were you doing the very common thing that many improv groups do, who are coming from short form, who've never really seen the Herald, and they're stringing together 
uh, eight short form games. No, I, I wouldn't say we were stringing together short form games. Like we 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 knew the the structure. Like the group from Louisiana had told us, like, hey, do the opening, you do the three scenes, you do the group game. Like we we knew how the pieces fit together. But I think mm-hmm. a we didn't we weren't good enough at doing scene work for one to be able to sustain interesting scenes that didn't have like a short form game in them. And like we understood what with like the word group game, but we had no idea in the world like how to make that work. And because we had we had no guideposts to go against, like we couldn't go watch another team. There were no schools around there. We were just like, well, you know, this there's just too many unknowns here for us to be able to wrap our brains around this. Um, so we just we just kind of abandoned it. There you go. Uh, that's well, at least at least you guys understood what it was. Uh, but yeah, there is, there is such safety in like having, uh, th- those games cause they, they are, you know, they are like training wheels and they keep you on track. Uh, but you do have to bring something to that to make it like, uh, entertaining and short form games, you know? Right. Yeah. And we just, we didn't understand. We, we, we just, we didn't understand what it was basically it. And a lot of us were yeah. like the games that we enjoyed playing were like guessing games. Like we played so many goddamn guessing games and in our, uh, um, our short farm shows, like we did so many cause we were all, uh, we were all really smart. Um, and we were all just really like dry, smart people. So guessing games we're like right in our wheelhouse, and there is no guessing in Herald, unfortunately, which I think is probably the reason why we were like, nope, there's no guessing, not for us. <laughs> how can I show how quickly I can come to conclusions if we're not guessing things, guys? <laughs> right. <laughs> how about you just think of a random object, and I'll try and guess it by the end of the, the scene. Why don't we do that? That's, I mean, it's fun for me. Uh... I was, I was like, I, I've only done short form a little bit, but it always stresses me out uh, when I see short form or when I'm uh, performing short form, and there's, like, a point when I can't guess it for, like, too long. And usually for me, like, it's, like, I feel like it should be uh, 30 seconds because I'm, like, I just don't care. Uh, but, like, yeah, whenever I see somebody, like, struggling to guess the thing, I'm, like, oh, God, please solve this. Is everything going to be okay? Are we going to be stuck watching this guessing for eternity? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I know that feeling. And it, it's not so bad in, like, some groups that, like, they know it well and they've, they've rehearsed it and they're they're comfortable with the guessing and they're good at that. But um, I remember being in rehearsal sometimes and, like, now when I watch teams that are, you know, relatively new at it, and you're just like, oh, dear God, please just figure out that it's a Q-tip. I just, just say Q-tip. Just say Q-tip. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um... Nice. So, so yeah, early early stages, doing some short form, uh, and then and then you moved to Chicago uh, and decided to get involved in IO. And then, well, like like what was that like? What what was the transition like for you? Um, the transition was is actually relatively easy. Um, which I'm, I mean, even now I have no idea why it was easy for me to go from, uh, you know, small town Mississippi to like big town Chicago. Um, but it was, you know, it's like I settled into it right away. Like I love, love the subway. Um, and to this day, like I have a, a fascination and a complete obsession with, uh, light gauge public transit. Like I love 
subways, elevated subways. Like anytime I go to a city, I'm like, oh, but what's the subway like? Like I visited London, <laughs> and all I wanted to do was ride the tube all day because I was just like, ah, oh, this is such a great public transit system. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, but when I got there, uh, actually, the same friend of mine who got me into the group back in Mississippi was living in Chicago, and he was taking classes at Second City. And I met some friends of his that were in his class, and I saw his grad show, like, right when I moved there. And just for whatever reason, Second City just didn't click with me. Like, I saw what they were doing, and I talked to him, and I was just like, eh, I'm not really feeling Second City. And I, I knew the name IO, and it just, I was like, well, that sounds pretty good as well. And when I got to IO, man, I was just like, that, that, the place just clicked for me. Like everything made sense in improv for me for like probably like the first time ever. And I've been doing it for like three years at that point. So I was like, Oh man. Yeah. This all totally makes sense now. That's cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's nice when like things fall into place like that. So, so you felt like kind of right off the bat, you're like, I'm in, I got this. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, there's still the getting used to it and, and learning it, but like, like the, I guess the thought process of it there just like it it made made total sense to me. Yeah, and then well, you know, because I, I I don't claim to be a hardcore understander of IO West philosophy uh, or, or actually IO philosophy, uh, and I I my only exposure is IO West. So like, what's IO Chicago all about? <laughs> um, well, I feel like I got a lot of different stuff from a lot of different people and part of it I guess for me it's sort of that nostalgic thing or it's like the first time that I had had workshops that were taught by people who knew what they were talking about um, like we would yeah. teach each other back in Mississippi we'd be like okay well let's work on you know let's work on this game let's work on um, the, the party quirks you know so that's the game we're going to work on um, but like, we didn't, I mean, we didn't know that much. We, everything we were doing was just sort of guess and check. Like, okay, that worked. Let's do that in the future. Um, so part of it was like, yeah. oh man, like these people, they know what they're talking about. Like they're smart They're They do this and I can see them on stage and clearly they, they know what they're talking about, but I got a lot of different things. Um, I'd say my favorite teacher there was Bill Arnett, who I had in level four and his, like, really clicked for me because he's got such an analytical approach to scenes where things are built so um, just, like, one detail on top of the next, just working on specifics. And for that, like, that just, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, like, that's how scenes are built. This totally makes sense. Um, but a lot of it is, yeah. I mean, it's very, I think it's still kind of got that hint of Del Close's sort of, like, weirdy kind of approach to improv where things are sort of, you know, lots of like group games and weird machines and strange noises. Um, so it, it feels <laughs> feels very organic, I guess, and that's probably the word that everybody uses to describe it. So I mean, I guess that feels appropriate. Oh, and hey, if it works, why not, right? Um, nice. So okay, so you're getting in there. Uh, you're finding, yeah. There, the first of all, I get that. There's comfort in like uh, having teachers who just like clearly get it like there's like it's so it's so nice to just go cool like i have a question or like this didn't work and then you can kind of like look to somebody and they'll be like i know why like i know what's happening right yeah and i was like i'd done some shows here and there and like if they didn't work i actually like i could go into class like the next day and be like hey 
this happened in a show I did uh, at such and such place. What do you think was going on there? And they'd be like, oh, well, the problem was probably this and this and this. I'm like, oh, great. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, so, that's so important to, like, be able to get feedback and uh, work through things. Uh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so, and then and then Bill Arnett had a nice, uh, uh, I've heard so much about this Bill Arnett guy. Uh, he came out, he was supposed to come out to L.A. at one point and do a workshop, and then he didn't do it, and I was, like, sad. I gotta know. I gotta know. Uh, I, I love Bill Arnett so much. Like, if if he were single and I were gay, I would be all over that guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can all hope. <laughs> those two things suddenly happen. You never know. Uh, okay, great. So, okay. Uh, and then you're learning this thing. And then, and then like... Well, let's, I mean, after going through a few levels of, uh, of Aya Chicago, I assume you completed the pro- program, is that correct? Yeah, I actually, I finished um, my my grad program two days before I finished my IO program. So, like, the quote-unquote graduation was, like, almost the exact same time. Nice. That's cool. Uh, and then did you, so at this point, did you, like, were you doing teams and stuff were you doing indie teams were you doing uh were you doing house teams uh i wasn't doing house teams yet because um uh, and the, the one thing i know that's different from ios and iOS chicago is that you can audition for for house teams at ios while you're still in classes uh but at iOS yeah. chicago you have to graduate before you're eligible to go on to house teams so i never i never did get to do any house teams uh at iOS chicago because i moved to san diego two days after I finished IO Chicago. So I like graduate, graduate, and then I moved right away. So I never got the chance to do it. But the teams I did, they were all like, they're all independent teams. Yeah. Uh, And then, and so, okay. So I feel like also, so independent teams, like, I feel like that's a formative time uh, for for improv. So like, like what, okay. So like, here's my thought is like, I feel like there's like struggles and, uh, like internally with like learning improv and like doing it and then also like navigating a team and stuff like that. Like what, what kind of stuff were you dealing with uh, in Chicago in your indie team world? Um, I guess the only real thing that we had with the, with the indie team that, that I was in was that um, we started doing it when I was around, I guess that was probably like level three or level four for us. And at that time, like, we had a lot of people just sort of, like, buzzing in and buzzing out of the group. Because I I think everyone was like, oh, yeah, okay, improv sounds fun. But everybody at that point, I think, is still trying to kind of feel out where they want to be in the community. And I know, like, talking to friends of mine that are still there, like, if you're on a team at Iowa Chicago, like, that is considered to have a lot more clout than being on an independent team by, like, a wide margin. Like, people will just straight-up quit indie teams if they get put on just an intro IO Chicago Herald team because it has such, like, a such a social status to it. So there were a lot of people who I think were like, well, I don't really want to get too far into this indie team because I might make it onto a team at Annoyance or IO Chicago, and in which case I'm just going to dump this thing right away. So... I mean, is sure. it, um, I don't know if it was like, I don't know if I could call it like poor commitment, but there's just a lot of like, everyone's just sort of feeling out everything and no one's really like wanting to go in a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Like with, uh, there's like, you know, yeah. I mean, I think in any, 
I probably in plenty of improv scenes, there's like these brass rings in front of you. I know at UCB, you know, we have Harold Jr. Obviously, there's only like six of them, and you know, in any given year, if you if there are if there are like 16 spots open, it's a you know like that's a great year where there are a lot of spots open. So yeah, like I get that like there are the brass rings in front of you, and then people are like, well, I want that thing because it's like hard, and it's like it's it's harder to get people to go like, I want to be a good team. Uh, and it's when it's like, oh, but that's not the thing that they're gonna get excited about, you know? Right. And I think a lot of it is too, like Chicago and LA, and I'm sure probably New York, the same thing. Like people move there just to do improv. So I mean, I, I totally get that they're in a spot where they don't they don't want to get uh, hemmed into a group that's you know won't have as much um, you know top billing as say getting on like main stage at second city which is you know that's got like such a high level of notoriety for it yeah it's interesting um what and then what about like what about like personally like when you you know you had a you had some short form under your belt a few years of short form and you're doing these classes like what kind of stuff were you doing with like i i felt like i had I had all of the problems, and I still have all of the problems. But like, did you did you have any that particularly stood out that you were like, oh, I want to do this, and I'm not quite getting there? Or like, I don't know, like you know, struggles and things that you kind of came to. Oh, yeah. uh, well, you know, when I was taking the classes, and, and I think like every, every every teacher who teaches a class should should start with a, a disclaimer at their beginning that says like, we're going to teach you the basics. But that does not end your education. Because I would say, looking back now, like, I learned a lot of... I, I got, like, a lot of the basic tools to put in my toolkit, quote-unquote. But I didn't understand sure. how those tools would get would be used and employed until, like, well after I finished. I uh, Like, I had them. I was like, well, I got this screwdriver. But I didn't know, what, you know where to put the damn screwdriver and, until, like, a couple of years later. But I remember in, like, level four or five, I had such a problem initiating scenes. Like, that panicked me. I felt like I could not get one scene initiated to save my life. Um, and actually, I was, I was doing one of those cage matches, and I was on a team uh, with my friends. And I told one of my friends, I was like, I'm not going to initiate at all this show. Like, I, I can't do it. I'll support anything anybody does, but I won't initiate and I step out there with a diff with another friend of ours who didn't hear me say that, and we just stare at each other for like two minutes <laughs> because he's like, "Well, Chris has something," and I'm like, "I am not saying one single word." Um, oh my god! I, I got over that, fortunately. Good. <laughs> oh my god, that's really funny. Yeah, it was it was like oh, so, no. so panic inducing though because I was just like, I can't get a scene started. Like all my initiations felt so dumb. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I get that, because it does feel, like, important, and I don't know, but then again, they don't matter. I mean, if you do them, if you do them right, that's great, but usually by the end, if you're clicking along, nobody really cares. Nobody cares that it took, like, three lines to get it out, or, like, five, you know, they're just like, if did you make me laugh in the end? Yeah, I know, and, and that was one of the lessons I got, I mean, like, and I would say it to myself, and it still would not sink in, is, like, uh, audiences are more forgiving of a scene that starts poorly and end strong than a scene that starts strong and ends poorly. And I knew that, but like, I yeah. could not get out of my head about it. Yeah. yeah that's tough. Uh, I love it. Uh, and that's funny. Cause that's what I came down to San Diego 
Uh, I, I recently did a workshop uh, at Planet City Improv where you are a, uh, a, a, a in charge of uh, whatever, and <laughs> you, I did a workshop specifically. Then. Well, I, I, was, I was trying to think of like what the title is, or if you had one that I should know, and I just went, nope, I don't. It, it's not in my brain anywhere. I'm sure I saw it, but I just it's not there. Yeah, officially, my title is assistant artistic director. A A D. Yes, the, the AAD. Yeah. Uh, the AAD with ADD. I'm going to say you have ADD. I don't know why, but I want it to be there because it, it structures nicely to me. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you're the AA with ADD, and I am the guy with OCD who needs to put letters together. Yes. So, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, nice. Uh, okay, so... Uh, Let's see. So we did it, and then and then uh, San Diego. So you go to San Diego, uh, uh, and and I, I understand. That I believe you started with uh, what's the was it National Theater Company? Is that it, or am I off? Yeah. So there were um, yeah. When I moved to San Diego, there was only one brick and mortar, and actually, it's still the only brick and mortar improv theater in town uh, called the National Comedy Theater uh, (NCT). Um, and there was right. uh, one long form group that I found that was kind of like. Every once in a while, they would do stuff called the Ugly Truth. Uh, and I started taking classes at the NCT, and I started uh, practicing with the Ugly Truth uh, like pretty quickly after I moved. Yeah. What? Uh, so, like, if you know, does the National uh, Theater have like a uh, uh, like a philosophy, like a main thing? Like, if UCB's got their game, like, what does they do? They have a thing that they're all about. Um, I don't know that I, I could boil down what they do to, to one philosophy. Like when I when I moved here, they were only doing uh, short form, um, and their show was like a comedy sports clone. Like they did the red and the blue team, they did the rounds, they have a five things, you know, they tally up the points. Um, so I mean, it's exactly like a comedy sports thing. And, and I don't know that I could boil down what they do to um, to a philosophy other than maybe like. Um, efficiency like because they're they're kind of all about just like let's just get in let's let's get the job done and let's do it in the simplest way possible sure interesting um nice and so so yeah you, you're jumping on you're taking classes you're jumping in uh to teams right away uh and then i mean did you uh were you so one did your short form come back were you like oh i remember all of this um, it came back pretty quick because the, I mean, most of the games that they were doing, with the exception of like five things, we had played ugh, like a hundred times back in college. And like as soon as I got it, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, okay, I I remember this game. Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, the, I mean, yeah. the one thing that I, I say I got from them is like they put a really high polish on their show, so it was it was nice to like to see how to like lay lay games out and lay the show out in a way that's um that has an eye towards like crafting the whole thing in a very professional manner interesting so like uh to, yeah i mean I, I guess i have i have how i imagine that happens but yeah in, you know just professional presentation of like all the games and not being uh shitty about it i think is the best maybe way to say it is that Right, yeah, because well, I remember in college we played a game of forward reverse one time, and my friend uh, David and I we were doing it, and we did it. We were we were playing the game correctly. I mean, like 
you know, reverse, we would say the words and like, you know, we had a pretty good memory. And like I said, we were all like really dry, smart people. So like we could remember mm-hmm. our lines and put them back into order. No problem. But it was a really boring game. Like we did it very boringly because we weren't, we weren't making use of that gimmick. Um, and that's kind of like NCD is like, well, we have the gimmick. Like here's how to exploit it in a way that will be will be funny like every time you do it rather than our approach which was like no we're gonna play the game correctly but screw you if it's funny we're just we're gonna remember words and what order they go in yeah that's interesting okay uh so there so i guess it it almost sounds like they were like whatever the game is lean into it hard and like make that a hundred percent the focus whereas i guess if you guys are you're, if you're talking about your previously uh, university unpolished experience. It was like, oh, we'll play the game, but it's not. We're not. Our, our hyper focus isn't necessarily on making sure to uh, hit this hit the game a, a billion times on it. Is that? Yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, I like it. Okay, so and then and then in classes there, I'm I'm actually curious. Like, were you were you, in the classes? Were you guys practicing short form? Was that part of it? Yeah, so those NCT classes, they were all short form. There's a little bit of, um, like, scene work uh, in the beginning and, like, a little bit of character work. Um, But then, like, it's mostly just, like, here are the games, here's how to play the games, here's how to play the games well. And they only only did three levels, so it's it's a relatively short education experience. Gotcha. Uh, And actually, oh, I meant to ask this because I'm I'm curious. What what does the show... Uh, their run at the NCT? Uh, let's see here. They're like, I think they're $12 on Fridays and Saturday nights. Okay. I don't know. And I then, never, and then, I never actually paid for a ticket there. So I don't, I don't know right off the, right off the top of my head what it was. No, that's okay. I'm just curious. Cause like, I, I kind of wonder to compare the cultures and then also, and then how many levels are there at IO Chicago? <laughs> uh, so IO, when I went through, there was six. And right after I finished, they added an additional level. So I think now there's still just the seven. Okay, cool. I love it. Um, I just like to know facts. Yep, facts. <laughs> number of levels. That's it. Number level. Just numbers are very interesting to me. Letters, numbers, OCD. That's my life, guys. That's what's happening. I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Just gonna, just gonna you, fall you apart there. You make me think you're like um, a pod person or something. Like, if I asked you where you grew up, you're like, "Oh, I grew up in Pod 39, Bravo 26." Yeah, well, I'd just say B, but yeah, definitely, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do, I do, I do weirdly find myself interested in like numbers. Uh, like, I don't, not to be weird, but you have a pretty good phone number. Uh, I was looking at it. I'm like, yep, these numbers go together well. Uh, there are not like other numbers that don't go together so well. This one, I this these ones I like. <clears throat> you know, I'm glad to hear you say that. My, my job, like, I, I look at a lot of strings and numbers for my day job, and like, yeah. I find myself looking at like little five and six string numbers and going, these numbers look good together. Like, there's a good repetition or there's nice symmetry between the numbers. And I thought I was just weird. Mm. No, 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 no. Uh, license plates, I do the same thing. Uh, my old license plate was really good. It was 3FEW175. I'm like, these are perfect numbers. These are all so great. <laughs> they all go to get... This is like a beautiful license plate. I'll never forget it. 
uh, I still remember it. Like, and that was my that was my car years and years ago. Uh, but I'm like, no, that three few one seven five. Now, now my stupid license plate is like six A Z something one whatever. Like, it's like no, none of these numbers go together. You guys did it all wrong. <laughs> oh man, I'm looking. My, I'm uh, looking to g- my license plate in high school for the the old station wagon I drove was PNV 009. It made me so excited when I got it because I'm a huge James Bond fan, and I was like, I got a double O number in my license plate. Yeah, instantly cool. Uh, I am looking to get a job with the government in which I approve or disprove of license plate numbers, the random ones. I'd just be like, no, that's not a good set of random numbers. Next. <laughs> no, that X does not fit in there at all. <laughs> just delete Just delete this one. Nobody's going to have that driver's license plate. It's good. It's good for me. Um, okay. And then also you, you, uh, I think, I believe you start coaching at this point. Is that true? Uh, yeah, it was a little bit after that. Cause like I, um, I, there wasn't really a lot of improv going on in San Diego at the time. Um, like I found the one long form group and the one short form group. Um, and there were a couple other like fringe groups that didn't play super often. Um, and I realized like, I love doing long form stuff in Chicago and I wanted to do more of it. And the ugly truth that I was in, it was the long form group. We kind of um, uh, fizzled at one point. I was like, well, I I mean, I got to get my long form fixed. So I just put my own team together and I found some people that like I took classes with that I liked um, and some other people that I met uh, surprisingly enough through Craigslist and did not turn out to be um, act murderers. Um, And we we started rehearsing and that was like, that was probably like almost a year after I moved to San Diego. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, and they, and again, just to confirm, they were not axe murderers. They they were not, and like I'm still like good friends with them. And one of them was in the group for like three years too. So she turned out to be. I mean, maybe she is an axe murderer, but I mean, I, in three years, I never saw any axe murderer tendencies. Well, that's good. I love it. Uh, and so and so and this was your this was your your breaking out and doing some. Some long form stuff. So if, if the scene sounds like it's mostly short form, how did that, I mean, how'd that go over? Like, were you guys, like, was it easy to, like, get on board doing? Uh, was it, were, were you able to find shows? Like, yeah. Um, well, it's weird. Like, actually talking to some friends of mine that were in the group, like, at the very beginning, you know, they told me, like, I don't really, like, when they joined, they're like, I don't, didn't really know about it. I was just like, okay, this group sounds like fun. I'm not really sure about this long form thing. I'm more of a short form person. Um, fortunately, I had taken like really good notes when I went through IO Chicago. So I just I went back through my notes and just kind of retaught the IO Chicago syllabus to all those people when we started rehearsing because I was like, well, it worked for me, and I, they know what they're doing, I presume. So hopefully, it'll get them yeah. up there and. After, a, like, a pretty quick amount of time, like, they were doing it. I mean, they might have been doing it, like, 100% well 100% of the time. But, like, they, they got it and we could do it with a level of competency, which I thought was, like, really cool. Like, we got there within, uh, like, five or six months we were able to do a Herald beginning to end and it not collapse on itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, – getting a Herald to not collapse on itself for good teams is even hard. So that's I mean, that's great. Um, nice. So, okay. So you're coaching the thing. And then, uh, and then, and then I, I know, I mean, I know that there's like a breakaway from the national comedy theater for you at one point. And, uh, I mean, wh- when did, when did that happen? And like, where are you now? Uh, so that happened about a year ago. Um, and like, 
uh, I joined, the, I got put on a team um, there at the National Comedy Theater, which was like their uh, intro-level team uh, back in like 2009. Um, and I played with that team for a long time. It was, it was just short form. We played like once a month. Um, uh, and there was like good people in there. But I kept doing other shows. Like there was still the group I was coaching, and I would get hired for coaching gigs occasionally or to do like little workshops and I did, like, a couple of other shows and other groups, um, and I kept uh, butting heads with the director there at the National Comedy Theater, um, and sure. I kept trying to, like, to talk to him, to, like, kind of bridge the gap and see what was going on, and then eventually he just sent me this very tersely worded email that was, um, uh, you are fired from the National Comedy Theater because you insist on doing other shows, and then that was, that was it. End of email. Boy. Uh, so they, they are trying to keep, uh, uh, their performers from doing shows elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. And actually since then, they've apparently started <laughs> making oh my uh, God. The players, their sign non-compete contracts that says that they agree to not do any other shows as long as they're there at NCT. And I was like, well, I mean, that defeats like the whole purpose of what we're doing of like experimenting and collaborating. Uh, so they're really, yeah. They're, they're kind of like shoring up the walls over there. That's interesting. That's a, that's such a silly way to do it. I think just because like, if I think of like, at least, or, you know, if I compare it to the LA scene, like one of the big things that's strong about it is there's, there's like an indie scene where a lot of people get to play together and experiment in new forms. And like a lot of the Herald teams that come out of it are people, you know, just different combinations of indie teams that have been around already. People who have played together and know each other and like, you know, bring bring a, one bring a lot of experience to bear because they were performing elsewhere but two also bring like chemistry instantly because they're you know on the first night they're half of them are friends uh, already you know right and i feel like it's it goes so central to like what improv's about which is this whole you know your ideas aren't important the team's ideas are important and everybody's like working together and building this thing together and acting organically uh, and, you know, I feel like when you put so many, like, structures to it, you, you kind of defeat the point of doing it. Um, it's like, well, in that case, like, why even bother trying to aim to to collaborate and be mutually respectful? I mean, we might as well just, we'll just take orders and you just tell me forward reverse and we'll just forward reverse all day. Yeah, that's, uh, that's obnoxious. I love it. Um, well then, cool, cool. So you, 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 you know, you got, you got fired, uh, from like a national comedy theater with a stupid email. Yeah, uh, actually and the, the, and the only time I have ever been fired from any job whatsoever. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And, 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 and something in which you think you wouldn't be able to get fired. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was so surprising too. Cause I had just sent an email to the assistant director there at the theater and I was like, Hey, like, I really want to sit down with the boss there and I want to talk to him and I want to try and like, like, you know, bridge the gap and make this thing a little nicer for everyone. Cause he had starting, started to send out these really kind of, um, these kind of like aggressive emails to people. And I was like, you know, this isn't cool. Like, you know, we can sit down. And I sent that on, on a Sunday and on Monday I had an email saying you're fired and I was like well I guess he doesn't want to talk to me very much yeah that's silly uh do you know Brian Jack by chance I do I do know Brian Jack have you guys ever talked about uh he, he also 
was helping do do this theater thing for a while, and he had a weird relationship. Honestly, it sounds like you guys have like super parallel uh, stories, and it makes me laugh. Oh, really? Yeah, I had Brian Jack. He was a teacher of mine at Iowa Chicago, and the the thing I remember the most about him is he never really like watches you when you're doing scenes. He kind of um, he's sort of looking at you out of the corner of his eye and just sort of pacing back and forth in the back of the room. Um, but his, yeah. his laugh is so infectious. Like, you know yeah. you've done well when you hear that big just <laughs> Brian Jack laugh. Like, yeah, I made Brian Jack laugh. All right. Yeah. No, uh, he, he still he still sort of does that. But I, I think I, – well, I don't know. But he looks like one of the – like, he, like, he must – he must stand up and be a part of it. Like, I think that's, I honestly think that's how he feels is like, I'm going to stand up and be a part of this a little bit. <laughs> Just like laugh and watch. And, but he's like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's weird. Fucking Brian Jack. Yeah. Uh, that guy's hilarious. <laughs> uh, he's the best. Uh, you got, you just got to send him an email to make them uh, and tell him like, Hey man, I went through the same thing. Cause uh, <laughs> he went through some obnoxious stuff at a theater down here. It was very funny. Um, nice. Okay. So, so, uh, breakaway, whatever. And then did you take, did you end up taking a, a, a break or like, uh, from improv altogether? Like, uh, cause I, like, I feel like to me that would probably be a little bit traumatizing. You know, I was, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I was miffed about it. Like it was, it was really hard on me cause I lost a lot of friends in it cause I only really saw them once a week at rehearsal, but I, I didn't take a break right. from improv because I, I had so many other improv things going on, like other shows I was doing and teams I was coaching and workshops I was teaching that that loss was, is unfortunate. It was kind of insignificant in the long run, um, which I guess actually yeah. it's kind of good, good, bad thing. And actually, because we always had rehearsals on Sundays and a week after I got fired, I got an email from someone who's like, hey, I heard you got fired. We have a group that uh, practices on Sundays. Do you want to come coach us and we'll pay you? And I was like, oh, well, hell yeah. I mean, this is wonderful. <laughs> that works out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really one of those just nice. like door opens and door closes like almost at the same time. That's great. I love it. Um, okay. So then let's uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Finest City then because I uh, – that seems like a cool thing going on now. Uh, I want to hear some thoughts about it or what's going on with it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, like I said, when I got out here, I started doing a lot of long form. I started playing with groups. Um, and it was like a year or so into us doing long form that we started to get other people that I didn't know actually interested in doing long form and starting their own groups. I was like, okay, this is this is cool. We're, we're kind of like getting an improv revolution going on down here in San Diego, like having some real long form and some real good long form too. Um, and a friend of mine that also is a former NCT castaway uh, named Amy Lashewski uh, was living down here and, you know, she had the goal in mind of opening her own theater. Um, so she put together Find a City Improv, which is the, the company that, that I'm, the AAD with ADD for uh, down here. Um, and we started doing like <laughs> workshops and shows. And we're still looking for our, our brick and mortar spot, but our, our fingers are crossed that we're going to get one real soon. That's super cool. Uh, and then, you know, since you, you, you came away from a theater uh, already and, you, you know, you're, uh, you're yeah, it's, I mean, you've been bouncing from place to place. Like, what, what are you, what are you, like, Amy? 
and you like what what are you guys trying to like set up ultimately like what's like the vision of finest city improv you know i think our our goal is to kind of i mean my my goal is to kind of make uh a new io clone down here like like one that has groups that are experimenting with different long forms because like that was one of the things i loved about io and io west is they do you know, they improvise movie and they have Armando and they've got different Herald teams and they sometimes they do stories and sometimes it's two man. So that's the goal that I'm kind of heading for. And Amy's big into that too, because she likes doing the, the teams and she also wants to do some of the second city sort of things too, like uh like review shows because she trained at the second city in LA. So we we're I guess kind of like best of second city and best of IO, hopefully working together under the same roof. Super cool! I love it. Uh, and and are you going to allow your performers to perform elsewhere? <laughs> yes. <laughs> in fact, a lot right. of our performers do perform in other teams already because we've got our our two house teams, and a lot of them are already doing other shows in other places. Yeah, I like it. That's super cool. Um, and then uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. I feel. I feel like. I mean. I, I feel like that's one. Like it's just a super cool, like, adventure to be like. Oh, cool! They're trying to build this this thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I just want to. I just really. I just want to live vicariously through you and hear all about it. Because I'm like, yeah, I want to have a theater. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, it is a lot of work. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Uh, it's already been a lot of work, and like. Going forward, I know it's going to be more. So uh, you're welcome to come down here and just live it instead of living vicariously. <laughs> uh, hey, man, I, I got under the I got under the stage and found some stuff. I, I felt like I contributed to the cause. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did crawl under that stage to rescue some some loose cords, and we appreciate that. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I feel like I'm pretty much a co-founder at this point. Uh, <laughs> we'll put one of those uh, those oil paintings of you up on the wall, like they have for Dell at the iOS. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want, I just want to be regarded at the same level as Dell Close. That's all I'm asking for. Uh, <laughs> That's not too much to ask. I, I think it's pretty reasonable. Uh, and then one of the other cool things that you guys are doing is you're like getting, it seems like you're getting guest teachers down like every other week or every week or so. Uh, is yeah. Right? So every, every time we're doing a show, cause we're doing two shows a month roughly now. Um, and we're trying to get at least one guest performer and guest instructor down every time we do one of those shows. And sometimes we're getting like whole teams. Like we had two beer queer came down, uh, last year. Uh, around December, and we also had Fortune and Glory, which came down to, and another team that has Keith Ray and uh, some other people on it that, whose name is escaping me now. Like we're having Jet and Brett are coming down uh, this week. Um, so yeah, we're we're trying to. I mean, a we're trying to like encourage people to come see our shows because we've got these nice big names, but also we're trying to like. We're trying to to get all of the knowledge that all these people have that, you know, L.A. is only two hours away and there's a lot of, like, really knowledgeable and talented people up there that we can learn from. That, I love it. That's that's my bag all day long. I've, I've been at uh, almost every theater in L.A., every theater that I, you know, almost every theater that I know of in L.A. Because, yeah, there's, there's so many people who know different things and even though some people have different 
you know, philosophies and approaches and all that stuff, God, all of it's valuable. And if you could soak it all up, what kind of super improv would you create? You yeah. Know? I don't know. We're finding out though, because we're, we're having a lot of had a lot of good people, um, and man, I've I've learned a ton already from just the few people. We, we had uh, George Caliotis came down in March and did a musical improv thing, and I've never really done much of it in the past. But I was like, oh my god, this is so fun, and and I get it now. This is great. Yeah, musical improv's fun as hell. I love doing that. Uh, that's amazing. I love it. So well, it's not so everybody who's in San Diego needs to know about Fire City. Come check it out. Learn. Uh, get involved with a cool, uh, not, not uh, Empire-like theater. I'm gonna, I'm, well, I'm, I'm basically trying to say, like, national comedy theaters like Darth Vader but are the Emperor, but worse. Right. And then you guys are like Luke Skywalker, but better. Right. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. angling to be Han Solo, which I don't think is too much to ask. No, uh, I don't. Hey, if it's not too ask too much to, for me to ask to be Del Close, it's not too much for you to ask to be Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. We'll both get what we want. Yeah, we both, and we'll yeah, we'll both we'll both go down as idols to a very specific community. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, very cool. Uh, well, 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 George. See, we've already we've already hit about uh, almost forty five minutes. I want to uh, oh, real quick. Do you, do you have anything that you want to talk about? Improv, uh, life, philosophy, uh, 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 learning stuff that you like to teach. I don't know anything at all. I'm, I'm opening up the floor to because uh, I know I know you're a man filled with thoughts. I I read some of your blog today. I was like, oh, look at all this stuff. <laughs> oh God, you read all that, huh? <laughs> I I read I read some of it. It was very it was interesting. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I like I actually very much like. Uh, improv blogs. I mean, that's how I started this podcast. Basically, it was just like I need to write down some thoughts, and I think I discovered something. I want to share it with people. Yeah, uh, and then it turned into a podcast. Who knew? Yeah, I, I have to thank Bill Arnett for doing the, my blog because, like, he he wrote his improv blog when I was taking classes up there, and he was posting regularly. And when I read that, I was like, oh my god, this this is the greatest thing ever written. Um, and I was like, I started having ideas as I was putting things together and I was like, I, I have to do what Bill is doing. Cause I have to do the exact same thing. Um, and I've just kind of kept yeah. doing it. Um, I don't know. My, I, um, what I teach for when I'm teaching like intro classes is my two big, like, I guess pillars of, of improv are, um, you know, treat everybody on stage like they're artists, poets, and geniuses. Um, so essentially, uh, the most important person on stage is the other person at all times. Um, and also, um, everything is a gift and nothing is a mistake, which is also a, a Bill Arnett thing because he phrased it as um, a lot of people view the whole there are no mistakes in improv as being the parachute for, for improv. Like if you're you're falling and you don't know what to do, you can always just open up the, oh, it was, it was really a gift all along. But he says like... Um, the everything's a gift and nothing is a mistake isn't the parachute it's the whole like it's the whole fucking plane like it's the sky it's the earth it's the person like that's that's everything we do is that nothing is a mistake and everything is a gift that's interesting because uh well one i don't know that it, my core philosophy that i necessarily agree with it although i do see that how that that approach uh, can lead to strong improv for sure. Uh, do you mind uh, maybe expanding on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so which the first pillar or the second pillar? 
I want to go second pillar. I think I, I think I, I think I get, I get along with first pillar just fine. But second pillar, like you know, if, uh, you know, just to throw out my my thoughts on it real quick and have you uh, quickly debunk them. Uh, like in UCB, you know, <laughs> like in UCB, we kind of, you know, we have these. We, we like, oh, cool, we created a game, and and then once we have the game, uh, we ha- we know how we should be playing it out. And um, uh, if once once we have that type of thing. We understand it also with all the correct moves and like the path that we have, and there are a ton of correct moves. There are also moves that are incorrect, and, and those are things like you know maybe flipping on your character, like that's a, you know, or uh, or just selling out the premise, or you know doing it half-hearted, whatever it is. There there is a way to do a quote-unquote wrong move. Uh, so so yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, like what what exactly does that mean to go like, hey, all the things are right, and like we're gonna treat them all right. Like how do how do you how does that manifest itself? Oh okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. So it's it's not so much. I mean, the way I see it, and other other people may interpret my words differently, but the way I see it isn't so much that every move is right. Yeah, you know, but it's it's not mm-hmm. that there's any wrong moves. It's just there are weak moves and there are strong moves. Um, and everything yeah. everything exists in the category of right. But there are just there are some moves that are weaker and there are some moves that are stronger. Like I would say, flipping on your character isn't a wrong move because you can justify it, but it's a weak move because you're making more work for yourself by doing it that way. But like actually, when I was gotcha. watching the workshop that you were teaching, um, it's a lot yeah. like the the intro to scene work workshops that that I kind of teach, which is like um, you don't don't treat anything as a mistake. Like everything that your partner says assume that it has meaning every time you know you gotta um kind of like pick through it like a detective and look for the key bits you know assume that everything they did they meant to do and then build on that you know you you know they can say any line ever and you say oh well you know they said that so they're probably this person we're probably here we're doing this likely so let's just assume that all of those things are instead of are probable and let me craft a line that goes back at it that builds on the information that i've already been given right there the yeah i think the thing i was trying to drive at and you 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 totally nailed it like but in that i was like cool if you're responding to a line uh there is a whole response to the line and that's and that's i think that was something i was like it's not you know if if uh if somebody's doing an action and gives you words, if you only respond to the words, you're ignoring something. Exactly. Uh, and the audience knows that you're ignoring something. And you know, if there's an implication or a tone behind it, uh, the audience, and you don't respond to the implication of the tone, the audience knows it. Like even, even if somebody implies that they murdered somebody uh, and, and somehow in a, in a sentence and you, uh, and you respond to just the words, but not the implication that they've murdered something, you know, the audience is like, what just happened? Do you not see that they murdered it? Because yeah, the audience know. knows yeah, that exactly. you're making it up. They want you to know what they know, and they want you to make. They want to make sure that you all know the same stuff, or or, or they want you to know more than them and show them what they didn't know. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and like, I teach a lot of people like like to invent less to make less work on themselves. Like, I like Keith Johnstone's approach to it, which is uh, Keith is like, don't be clever, just be obvious. Like, just play to the obvious thing, because that's a lot of what I teach. Is like. You know, like I do a lot of three line scenes when I when I do intro to, to scene work and just like let's do three yeah. lines and then let's pick those lines apart and look for the facts. Like what do we know in the scene? And often in three lines, you know a lot about the scene if you're being willing to take the time to look at it 
you know, analytically and to absorb all of the information. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you, that, yeah, that's what I was also doing too, is like, slow it down, get it all. Mine, every, every little word and motion and gesture and all those, all those implications, mine them for everything. Cause they're, that's where all your gold is. Like you can, you can start, you know, spitting that stuff out later or whatever it is and mm-hmm. playing it. And that's where all the fun is for sure. I love it. Um, one of the best, I, the other thing too, that I, I was thinking, I've been thinking about a lot lately and trying to find a nice way to articulate this is like, I think that the audience, I think the audience just wants to see you guys all click on an idea or a world. I think that's a huge part of getting laughs and improv is like, like that's why, uh, that's why you need people to respond to your stuff. Cause like you can get laughs off of naming people, but you really, you just named somebody like you guys clicked on what this, this world was. Like, I think that makes huge numbers of laughs and improv, you know? Yeah, I would agree. Like crafting the worlds that are unique and specific is is what makes them interesting to watch. You know, getting to watch the what is the specific things that are happening here. Um, like I'm, yeah. I'm watching uh, Being Human right now, which is on Sci-Fi. I don't know if you watch it, but it's it's a show that's a, it's ostensibly about three roommates, two guys and a girl. The two guys work at a hospital together and are roommates, and they just they kind of get into regular roommate shenanigans, like meeting guys and girls and and all that stuff. But that yeah. would apply to a lot of shows. And what makes that show awesome is that it's one of the roommates is a vampire, one of them is a werewolf, and one of them is a ghost. Which sounds really corny, and if you don't watch it, and actually the show is kind of corny, but like it's that specific that it's a show about three roommates who are also a vampire a werewolf and a ghost that makes it so much fun yeah it's got yeah it's definitely got a dynamic that you're like well i haven't seen this one played out let's watch it yeah exactly that's super cool i love it um let's see uh all right well i feel i feel pretty good i feel like we covered a lot how do you feel uh yeah i feel like feel like we've covered just about everything i know you cut me. <laughs> Good. I mean, it, hey, and if you if you ever learn or discover anything more, please come back. Tell me about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Real real quick though, uh, we have to do the classic segment on the show, the the pearls of wisdom. Um, and this is uh, the a pearl of wisdom is a a note or advice or feedback or something that you got that had an effect on your improv. Something that you're like, oh, I love this. I'm gonna share this with the world. Right. Okay. You yeah, can... sure. So it's gonna be hard for me to drop them on your chest through the phone and all. Hey, hey, that is Joe Hartzler's bit. <laughs> and also it's disgusting. It is disgusting. <laughs> um Yeah, so um yeah, I, I would say I got one. Um and it's actually it's relatively recent for me. I just heard it yesterday and it kind of crystallized a lot of things for me because I'd been teaching that very analytical approach to building scenes, which is really fun, but sometimes it leads to scenes that tend to be kind of uh, clinical. Like they're, they, they feel kind of stiff maybe sometimes because they're always they're you know, everybody's kind of worried about facts and, mm-hmm. you know, you balance that against the opposite side, which is a very like, um, uh, very like emotional approach to scenes, which I think like, uh, Annie and Levin O'Connor teach a very like don't worry about the facts like you can build the facts later just worry about you know building the emotion but my problem with those is that when the scenes start that way is they tend to be kind of they tend to be kind of narrow in what they are I mean they're almost always about like a you know a boyfriend and a girlfriend or a husband and a wife or you know parents and a yeah. child 
Um, and I don't feel like you get into, like, you would never get into the werewolf vampire ghost stuff if that was the only approach <laughs> you're taking. Um, and I right. heard a, a quote yesterday from uh, Dr. Brene Brown, who's a, she's a, a shame researcher for all that it matters. Um, but she said that um, uh, stories are data with a pulse. And for me, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, it bridges this whole, like, you got to build facts, you got to do a fact approach, but it also, like, it has to live and it has to breathe and it has to have a pulse as well, you know, and you you can't have a story, and really that's what we're doing on stage. I mean, even if you're not doing narrative, you're still creating stories between people. You know, you have to have for both sure. the data and the pulse for it to, to feel alive and for it to feel real. That's totally true. I love it. Yeah, that's, um, on, honestly, that's a little bit, in a weird way, that does sound a little bit like UCB's definition of game is like, uh, you know, uh, an unusual thing. And then the reaction to it, because yeah, uh, stories don't matter if people don't care about them or people don't, aren't, don't have skin in the game, you know, like you're just like, yeah, well, what am I fucking watching? Like, a bunch yeah, of exactly. Don't care. Yeah. And you, yeah. I had overheard you say that at the, the workshop, uh, that you did last Saturday. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Like that makes sense. It was just when I heard the quote yesterday, I was like, oh, that like, that makes that idea like even more concise. Like you could put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Have, was this an article? Can I find this? Can you share? Um, I'll. I'll have to send you the link. It's a. It was a video. Um, that I saw Good. online, and she's just. She's she's speaking at some sort of uh, seminar or something. But yeah, her name is uh, Brene, which is spelled. B R E N E and then Brown. Um, you should love that. Lots of letters. Yeah, I love it. I like cool because a lot of them were B, uh, and then there was like a, a nice symmetry in the first name. Uh, o is a symmetrical letter. W is a symmetrical letter. Mm-hmm. N has radial symmetric symmetry, so that's nice. Yeah, it's got a little bit of alliteration going on. She could kind of be a superhero. Yeah, there's all kinds of great things happening with Brene Brown. That's great. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> well, uh, well, Christopher, I think I think we uh, we just about did it. Is there anything else that you want to uh, to share with uh, the entire world? The entire world listens to this podcast. Oh, good. That's that's great. All all seven billion of them. Uh, I, I guess I would just say, yeah. like you know, follow follow my blog. It's double uh, uh, o um, Double O George, you're, you're like your your license plate. Yep, that's it. Fucking, I love James Bond. Um, and <laughs> I, I've got a Twitter as well, uh, which is writing on the wall, but it's writing like R I D I N G. Um, and other than that, hopefully, I'll see the entire world at our next improv show. Yeah, cool. Like you know, well, I don't know if you really want the entire world to go. Honestly, they are a bitch to wrangle into seats they're they're always like where, where do i sit where do i sit and i'm like we didn't have seating for seven billion i'm sorry uh and they get mad yeah but it would look good if i could say like we sold out our 30 seats and we had to turn away six billion nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred and seventy people yeah that'd be good well i mean hey here's the try and so every uh, all seven billion people let's be there for the next show oh it sounds great i look forward to seeing you all <laughs> All right, Chris. Thank, uh, thank you so much for doing this. This is a lot of fun. Okay, thanks, Stephen. All right, that was Christopher George. I hope you enjoyed. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of quick show plugs for me. May 16th, 8 o'clock, at Where Eagles Dare at the Clubhouse. I'll be playing in a mashup team called The Ramones. I am going to be in The Ramones on May 16th. 
at the clubhouse. Go check it out. May 17th at 9 p.m., Dark and Stormy at the Loft Ensemble Theater. I'll be playing with my two-man team, Brandon and Steven. Uh, May 22nd at, I think it's like 9.30 or so, at Room 101 at the clubhouse. Sticks Martin will be doing a show. Room 101 starts at 8 o'clock, so get there early to check out all the great improv. May 24th, 7 p.m., Neon Venus, Brandon and Steven. And May 28th, uh, also like 9.30, I think, it's Tuesday Night Thunder at the clubhouse. Distant Relatives has been performing. Uh, can you be? Can you get more excited about that? I don't think you can. Lots of shows. Please go support, uh, write a review if you want to hear that Matt Walsh episode. Write more reviews if you want to hear the Ian Roberts episode. Bug your friends who you know who listen to the show. Let's get this episodes up for you right away. Uh, The sentences are hard. Um, Anyway, that's it. Golden Age of Improv. Happy improvising. Be excellent to each other. I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to say. Just be good. Okay? You're all great. I really do appreciate you. Oh, and um, say something weird happens and I never get 100 reviews. I'm still going to put up the Matt Walsh episode. I'm just going to take a long time to do it. Uh, same with Ian Roberts. If I, if I never get the reviews, they will go up eventually, but it's just going to be my low priority because I want to get those reviews. All right, that's it. Goodbye. Hey, it's Josh Simpson. And Jake Jabour. From The Meat Improv. The Meat Improv is a comedy podcast where we bring on the best comedians in the world to tell meaty stories from their lives, and then they do improv comedy with us. You don't think we're good at improv? Check out this little snippet from Jake Jabour's real life. Hey, where's all my cats? (laughs) He never knows. The Meat Improv. You can listen to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That's The Meat Improv.